Hello and welcome to Stories, the True and the Fictional. As you can tell from the slightly different style of music, this is going to be a slightly different style of episode. It's something we call Story Chat, where we sit down with an author, a filmmaker or any kind of storyteller really, and talk to them about their life and their work in a real fun and laid back way. So sit back, relax, unless you're going for a jog, then run faster. It's story time. We here at Stories the True and the Fictional love giving shout outs to authors, both seasoned and new. Today we are giving a special shout out to authors Carl and Fausta Dimascio from Spain. They are promoting their book, The Amulet of Arias. Adam Walker must fulfill a prophecy to deliver an amulet to a high priestess to drive back the darkness enveloping the realm and restore balance. During his journey through Ariath, he experiences friendship, camaraderie and sorrow. He encounters creatures he had always believed were born of fantasy, such as elves, sprites and sorcerers, while he embraces his destiny. Grab a copy of The Amulet of Ariath on Amazon, or by following the link in the show notes. Hello and welcome guys to this episode of Story Chat. Today we have a wonderful guest, first time coming from South Africa, James Fouché. How are you? I'm doing very well yourself. Going well here. Um, yeah, like, like, like we always do with all our guests, we like to do icebreakers. So we're going to kick straight into it. No, no time wasting here. Um, Ryan, do you want to take the first one as you, like you always do? Yes, sure, no problems at all. So um, so basically, James, uh, if you could get rid of one thing in this world, what would it be? Uh, okay, well, I should, I should first say that I'm, I'm, I'm known for putting my, my foot in my mouth. So if I do that on the show, it, it's really okay. I'm, I'm used to it by now. Uh, the one thing I would uh, get, get rid of is uh, politicians. Um, I, th- I think they're, they're yeah. all pastors. <laughs> Yep, get rid of them all. <laughs> yep, very good. We can run the country out. We can run the world ourselves. Yeah, we've got a great track record, eh? Um... <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got. I think we've got our election coming up on Saturday, which uh, I'm really looking forward to. Uh, but yeah, so uh, if we can, get, if we could get rid of them before next Saturday, so I don't have to get up early and go and vote, that'd be awesome. Yeah, I, I don't really have a preference either which politician, the, the more civilized ones or the more uncivilized ones. If it's the uncivilized ones, you just put them in a stadium and just uh, equip them or weaponize them with something, and they'll, they'll sort themselves out. Uh, the, the more civilized ones, well, you know, that, that'll take some planning, I guess. But. Uh, <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. That's probably that's probably my new favourite answer to this question, to be honest with you. Um, well done. All right. <laughs> Moving right along. What's on your bucket list? Bucket list. Um, I would, um, yeah, they, they, I, I would really like to do the um, uh, El Camino, uh, which is a, a walk from France to uh, Spain. It's quite a lengthy walk, um, in, in part because I don't walk enough. Um, and then also in part because I, I read a book once uh, um, about, uh, about how this process works. So apparently you've got to go hire a donkey, which is probably the most 
um, stubborn creature that you can possibly trick with. So I reckon that's a great way to know more about yourself. You can pop an ass, a real ass, and then you try to trek across uh, uh, a country. Um, yeah, it sounds it, it sounds fun, and I reckon there'll be some enlightenment at the end. And I think also El Camino is my you know it's my, my namesake. You go to um, S- um, Santiago, which is your your Saint Diego, Diego being James. So uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's something that's always been on my bucket list. Um, that and uh, pissing off the Eiffel Tower, but I mean, I, I guess that's illegal. <laughs> well, no, it is with that attitude. I mean, it's only illegal if you get caught, oh, isn't it? No. You can, you can't miss the bald guy. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'll join you on that. You go one side, I'll go the other side. We'll see you get caught. <laughs> that's good. That sounds like a deal. Oh, I love it. I love it. I love it. All right. The next question is my favorite question of all time because. Uh, I'm a big TV fan, and we do judge quite harshly on this question. Um, so, in your opinion, what is the greatest sitcom ever made? And if it's not your favourite, what is your favourite? Uh, undoubtedly, it's it's got to be Frasier. Um, I'm a big, 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 big Frasier fan. Um, at the time, it was sort of competing with uh, Friends, which is, you know, it's ultra-Americanised version of, uh, what was it, Couplings, uh, the, the English version. So, you know, while Friends had its moments, uh, the consistency of, of Frasier throughout the writing, I mean, we still watch it now. We, we've watched it, we watch it uh, once a year. Mm-hmm. We watch it with subtitles on. And it, as, as, as far as uh, being a screenwriter, that the writing is superb. Um, can't be equaled as far as sitcoms go. We just don't have that type of writing anymore. And I agree. Like, you, you compare, you, you say, you know, Friends was out at the same time and, you know, I feel like I, I do agree with you there. Friends was more the, you know, the the show that you could sit down, you didn't really have to think about it, whereas Frasier was more your intelligence yes. sitcom. You know, it, it was such a, you, you're right, you get so many more, like the jokes are just cruder, not cruder, they're just, they take a lot more to get and not everyone got them. And I think that was the brilliance of it. I mean, Kelsey Grammer, David Hyde Pierce, two of the best TV actors ever out there i mean you know i agree with you i haven't i haven't seen the whole thing from start to finish myself uh but it was a bit of a staple in our household when i when i grew Absolutely. up it, it sums up a, a large part of my life and uh, I, I i can only wait until my kids are uh, um in you know at an age where they can literally sit with me and just enjoy this good classic um, fantastic tv you know so oh, that's, and that's another great thing when you can enjoy it with you know with your family and with your children because you know that you can go back and say this is what I watch when I grow up and when they get to the age where they can appreciate the humor and the and the actual show itself that's fantastic Absolutely. next one all right moving along do you have a zombie apocalypse plan over there in South Africa <laughs> oh yeah absolutely uh grab any nail clipper you can find and head for the mountains um that's my plan easy <laughs> I think that's probably the best thing you can do because you know, we've had a few people say that because, you know, lots of wilderness to hide in, you know, if you're not, you're not in open city and, and waiting for them to come for you. Oh, no, so. I, I tell you what, I'll, I'll rather just, um, I'll hide any possible scent of myself. I'll, I'll, I'll go swim around in the, in, in the mud, sort of, you know, pig, pig manure or whatever I have to do. <laughs> but the one thing is absolutely vital. I have to have a set of nail clippers um it's come up long ago like if you get a, if, if you crash on a deserted island or something um you know what's the one thing you want 
laptops, people want phones, whatever, um, memories, photos, whatever, but never ask for a bloody pair of nail clippers. I tell you what, a couple of weeks in, you're going to want that. Oh, you're going to come into your nails. Come on now. It's, uh, I'm, I'm pedantic about that. If, if I travel, like, I, I don't even worry about packing a suitcase. Where's the nail clippers? All right, great, fantastic. Everything else, leave it. <laughs> That's, that's true. That's very true. true. Very, very. No, I like it. I like it. <laughs> oh, man. That's good. All right. The final question on our list is another one of my favorites. So, Elon Musk has just given you a call up and he wants you to, he just invented a new electric time machine and he wants to give you the test drive. You're the first person to check it out. You can go one place and you can come back as well. You've got a little watch on your arm that you push the button and it'll bring you back to exactly the point where you've left. What do you do and where do you go? Well, that's, that's a sort of a tricky one. The, the same, there will be two answers, I'm afraid. The same answer. I've, okay. got, I've got this little insane tick in my mind, but the, the same answer would be uh, obviously going into the future to see if I actually uh, did something right as a parent. You know, did my kids stuff up, you know, did they, you know, did, you know do we have some, some, some bouts of, um, of jail time, you know, you know, where did I fail? Did, did my kid do something wrong? Did they kill someone? Did they finally kill a politician? Uh, <laughs> did they create the, the, the next zombie apocalypse, you know, whatever. Um, I want to see them as a parent. But the insane part of me would like to see if time travel can be um, can be altered. In other words, uh, if, if I make changes in the past, will it will it affect the future? So then I'll just go back and kill Elon Musk and um, see if time travel will actually happen or not. Um, so yeah, I've got some serious questions there. You know, if I do kill him, will I be able to come back? You know, th these types of things. So I think that'll be the insane part of me. What if I go do this? Mm, so what happens? Okay, that's fair enough. But there is obviously that chance that if you do go back in time and kill Elon Musk, that the watch is going to disappear off your hand. And you may not be able to return back. Well, then I will be the one person that will know that uh, changes in the past can, can be reflected in the future. No one else will know that. Okay. Then you can write a book about it. Okay. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I think also I can then also um, as, since changes do take place after I've killed the Elon Musk, I might as well just go visit myself and just give myself some advice. You know? <laughs> yeah. Why not? You know, I, 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 you know, I pretend to be like. I feel like I'm a good person, but I mean, if I got the ability to time travel and do something that would give me a bit of coin and just get a bit of security in the future, like if I magically disappeared now and popped back and I owned a house in Sydney, you know, I mean, you could you could buy in, in Sydney at the moment, you can buy like a one bedroom shack for $1.3 million. So you know, I'd be, I'd be, I'd be a happy man. I, I think I would extort Elon Musk invention fee. Eventually, let's say, let's say I knock off Elon Musk, and then I go, I go tinker around with something called Bitcoin, and I see, well, maybe, maybe there's something here. You know, I mean, might as well. <laughs> Considering that people that have invested sixty dollars into Bitcoin are now billionaires, you know, it might be something to that. So I think that's a very good answer. All right, let's go into the main part of the chat. Look. Um, just for our listeners, just want to tell us a little bit about you, what you do, and about your life, just in general, just to kick us off. Um, well, I'm a I'm a daddy to three kids uh, under seven. We had three kids in three years, so we we sort of sound like the South African cricket team, three for three. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, besides that, in, in my in my 
the other side of me is uh, basically killing people. So I kill people for a living and I capture that in books. Uh, oh, I was going to say you heard it here first, audience. He's, he, he I've considered doing it in real life, but not yet. No, no, no. I, 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 I like a good crime story, man. I, I really do. And um, I, I like telling stories. Um, I like uh, keeping things a mystery for a while and sort of let it slow, slowly unravel. Um, so I've got this part of me that just really wants to tell stories. And that's what I ended up doing. Um, I, obviously, I like telling stories to my kids. I mean, I make up this funny looking white cat that goes on a ninja mission and blah, blah, blah. You know, it just keeps going. And um, but at the same time, you know, afterwards, I, I clock out as a daddy and then I, I clock in as a writer and I, I carefully try to plot the story out and I try to give people some adventure and some fun. You know, look at how boring bloody life is. You know, somewhere you just want to, you just want to read something just escape for a little bit you know so yeah 100 i couldn't agree more there you know i that's I, i'm a, i'm the massive 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 reading fan and i figure you know it, it's just a unique ability just to sometimes i'll just you know get on my recliner turn all the lights off crack open the because i read do all my reading digitally most of the time so and just open up the kindle and off i go and just disappear for you know, two or three hours out after after work or something like that. It's just it's just the amazing ability when you've got a good writer that can just take you out of the world you live in at the moment. So I couldn't agree more on that. Cool. Um. So so you write screenplays and you write books. So I want to know what came first. What did you get into screenplays first, or did you get into novels first? Well, I was I was always tinkering with words. You know, I mean, I was uh, I'm I'm the classic wordsmith. I mean, I'm I also work as a copywriter, a specialist copywriter, which, which I'll tell you about some 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 Australian companies that I've helped. Uh, I'll, I'll try not to name names, um, <laughs> but um, uh, I, I think I've always I've always just started telling stories. Uh, it became in little bouts of poetry and little uh, odd little short stories that just came about, and then. Um, um, you, you know, I, I finished that horrible novel that uh, every author has got that one novel that they will never get published. You know, they always lie there in the bottom of the safe collecting dust. God, please, no one see that because it's horrible. It's a drivel <laughs> that had to come out first. So I've got that novel lying there, and then eventually I just started with another one and another one, and then eventually it got picked up. And then the first one it got picked up was probably not an author's maiden voyage. It was a horrible voyage because it was probably the most complex uh, um, character that, could, that, that, that I would have any interest in, in, in writing. It was a very messed up guy. I mean, most of the reviews has, has, um, has, has pinned the character as someone that can't be helped. Like you want to climb into the book and just give that a smack and please just get on. But um, he, he literally can't. So um, I wanted, uh, I, I, sort of, I sort of used that as, a, as an interesting journey uh, um, to, to pin a, a complex character and um, yeah I think after that the screenwriting came so but but even even the style that I, I'm writing and many people have said that it's sort of like watching a movie so I, I think maybe I'm okay. not I, I don't quite know the difference um, I try not to be I try not to add too much fluff um, you know we, we all have uh, adjectivitis so we like loaded with adjectives got to trim it out afterwards but I really like to just be, um, I really like the reader to experience something visual, like they're walking into this world, like sort of um, enjoy something that's not there, you know, and I try to make it as real as possible and pin them to the text. And um, yeah, 
so I, the next logical step was uh, screenwriting. So I, I began screenwriting and then eventually I just recently I, I, I penned or, or scripted a crime drama TV series. It's got a South African twist to it. So yeah, um, we'll see if it gets picked up soon. Well, hopefully it does because I watched the trailer and it looked it looked really good. Like you know, I want to watch it. <laughs> well, thanks, man. Yeah, it, it's um, it's dealing with a bit of a tender issue. The, the whole immigration thing in South Africa has gotten a bit um, you know, taken out of proportion. Mm. But um, you know, we, we we do have an issue with regards to immigration, and um, you know, it, it is one of those things that needs to be addressed. So. I did it in true South African style. You know, there's always a, a hint of corruption in in in, in what we we're, we're on about. So, um, yeah, uh, let's see if it gets picked up, and then you'll have some viewing that side. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah, that sounds good to me. Okay, so let's let's talk about um, the two books that you've got out at the moment: uh, Jack Hanger and The King of Sorrow. Um, so, do you want to tell us a little bit about those books? Um, yeah. Okay. Well, um, Jack Hanger is uh, is about the drug world. Uh, the Cape Town drug world, which is, uh, I mean, it, it's synonymous with gangsterism and it's gangsterism of, of a different kind. You know, it's, it's not like your American gangs or it's, it's far more, um, you, you know, it's far more like a wild waste uh, um, than it is organized crime. Although, although the, you know, there's, there's always strings being pulled, but at the end of the day, it's got this wild waste approach to it. You know, you have just these odd bursts of gang fights that takes place. And that ties in with the, with the, the drug uh, um, you know, drug dealing and all that type of thing. So I wanted that as a setting. Um, I was working in Cape Town at the time as a vacuum cleaner salesman, mm-hmm. and uh, while I was doing that, like you would hear gunshots in the, in, you know, just a couple of streets down the road, like just hear gunshots, and you, oh, wow. you, you know, and you, you duck down, and people tell you, no, no, don't worry, that's, that's like two streets down, you know, so don't worry. <laughs> place for comfort but it is oh. it is a, a real part um that is out there so i had the, the story about a guy that um he, he was part of the drug world and then when his brother gets killed he's sort of drawn back into this drug world and then he sort of meets up with an old nemesis that he tried to stop before so it's this whole sort of unraveling of what goes on uh, the, the, the title obviously refers to the little butcher bird, uh, uh, Jackie Angman, we, we call it here. It's a physical shrike, uh, actually. It's in the habit of, of killing things like little insects and then pinning it to the barbed uh, wires. So, it's, wow. so literally they're hanging everything out for everybody to see, um, which is sort of what he's doing. You know, the lead character there is a blunt a knife so he goes through the drug world and he's basically leaving everything on the on the box spikes for people to see so um he's yeah he, he goes through the drug world in a, in a haphazard manner uh king of sorrow on the other hand has got a far more uh, corporate um, approach um looking at the property industry in south africa which is very bloody corrupt and um mm-hmm. It's got millions and millions and millions and millions uh, uh, of of rands just missing, just going missing, and, and numerous deals. And um, we've got a lead character, basically a protagonist, is deciding to sell his company. He's got this big property company, and what he doesn't know is that one of the, the members um, on on the board of uh, uh, directors, um, one of those uh, uh, directors, has been 
doing something shady and they wouldn't want that to come out so they're prepared to go okay. to make sure that the property does not get sold so as if you've got a key person insurance then if you kill the the if, if something were to happen to the to the um, ceo of the company insurance pays out the deal stalls no one knows everything if you carry on property valuations event to a point where it's realized no one will know anything so the antagonist i literally called the antagonist the antagonist <laughs> i took a, a bit of a a, um, a ballsy there. and um yeah he's he or she is uh, uh faceless until the very end um and yeah so so that was a bit of a man um uh, tale there yeah oh wow I've, well i've just picked up a copy of each of them now um so i'm looking forward to getting stuck into those i'm like i've just uh yeah i just went well i just when i was on your website before we had a bit of a chat i was like hmm, these sound like my kind of books so i just thought i'd just jump on and grab them quickly and I'll be sure to let, to let you know what I think. I'll probably be reading them this weekend, I think. They are, um, both of them are uh, production possibilities. So we've, we've got uh, producers and actors, but uh, that was pre-COVID and then you know, COVID came. So all the investors just said, well, let's just take a five years and see what's happening uh, to the film industry. So they were set to go into production uh, at one stage and now it's, now mm. it's up in the air. But it doesn't matter. Uh, it, it's, it, I've, I've got a third novel coming out soon um you'll notice there's quite a big break in between uh I took a bit of a hiatus so um yeah we've got a third book coming out very soon which i'm very very excited about excellent yeah i can see that you um was it a seven year hiatus that you've taken yes taken off? yes 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 does that coincidentally tie in with the fact that you've got children under the age of seven <laughs> yes it absolutely does <laughs> uh, yeah, I tell you, at your, my entire life just came to like a pause. This big finger just reached in and said, nope, no more writing for you. Um, I, I think yep. also COVID maybe maybe had something uh, contributed to it uh, towards the end. Um, yeah. I, did a, I did my master's degree in creative writing in that time as well. Um, I lost my mom and my brother both uh, within the process of a year. We had a massive fire. I, I own a little uh, uh, espresso bar, and um, we had a massive fire that came through Nisner, and um, it, it like literally came up right to our, our coffee shop. Um, so all of these things happened. It, oh, wow. it, it 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 resulted in a seven-year chapter that just yeah we're, we're okay. We can move on from it. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I guess you know it's 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 not nice like not only did we have to go through covid but everything else that you went through at the same time and i can un completely understand why there was that hiatus where that you know unfortunately there, there is more important things that need to be you know you need to take that time to go through it but um you know at least it's given you that time reflection it gives you know you it's obviously seven years a long time you're probably a different person you are when you first started writing that first book to what you are now writing that uh, that new book that's coming out soon. I'm, I'm not really sure. I, I really lost my ear before then. So I, I think physically I lost, <laughs> it's going to stay this way. I need to make peace with that. It's going to stay this way until I'm finished. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Jamie? Jamie's the same thing. It must be, you know, all good, good authors <laughs> are bored. So there you go. You know, the fact that he does not grow on brains. You know, they only grow on muscle. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I've still got hair, so I take that personally, but that's okay. We won't, we won't, we won't uh, go into that. 
Um, but um, yeah, so basically, um, I can see you, you were mentioning about some partnerships that you've had uh, with some Australian companies. Do you want to go into that a little bit? Oh, yeah, I've, um, I, I've, I've done quite a bit of writing um, that side. I, um, I was a, a wine business for a while in Tasmania. Um, which everybody okay. asked me about that. I mean, how did you write about the wine, uh, you know, when you're in South Africa? Well, that's what creative writing is all about. Um, you, you know, it's 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 the same as writing a, a novel. Um, you need to be creative about it. So there were creative solutions were found, and I was ended up being the the um, wine columnist for a magazine there. Um, but also from a conceptual copywriting point of view, um, what would happen is I would uh, be called in for rebranding and relaunching and things like that. So there was a, um, I, I was writing for a company called um, Bragg Dad, <clears throat> um, uh, part of Bragg Media. And um, yeah, I wrote a bit about uh, being a parent, um, you know, nappies, uh, you know, when you do potty training, all that stuff, mm -hmm. some fun stuff you to write about. Um, but there was also like, uh, for instance, a, a, a company will come to me, there was a prominent uh, undergarment, men's undergarment company that wanted to be, uh, to do a bit of a rebranding. So, you know, the, the introduction of the millennial males was that, you know, we're not no longer in the corporate environment, we've changed a bit, you know, you can be in your, in your slacks, you can be at home, it, it's okay to be a, a, a daddy and be at home, um, you know, things have changed quite a bit you know the whole image has changed so um they would just give me a picture and um i would have to do content based on a picture so the picture i got was uh, of this um strapping lad in his undies very well in doubt mind you uh made me <laughs> feel a bit uh but um you know just the whole the whole male grooming the beard was not neatly trimmed and he had this suggestive look on his face while he was peeling a banana so you know, um, I, I've got to look at that, and then I've got to research what uh, what, what what the South Africa what, yeah, what uh, uh, um, like given their target audience, and um, in that sense, mm -hmm. I would have to bridge the gap between what the company wanted and to to engage with. You know, you you, you want to, what are they going to read? Um, so you know, that's some of the fun stuff that I had to do. Um, so yeah, I've, I've, I I feel like I sort of know Australia quite a bit. Um, I've done quite a got a couple of jobs like that day um it's all fun you know you'll have to pass on as a gay man myself you'll have to pass on the uh, details of that company <laughs> i'd love to do that job i think it would be very interesting and uh i'm sure i could get a good review out of it so you know i'd be happy to do that if you ever look if you're ever in the market for that again and needed an assistant <laughs> just let me know I, will do so. <laughs> I, might, I might have to do some serious editing afterwards so. <laughs> I, I, I just keep talking about how many bananas they use because uh, that that bloody banana was just uh, you know that was the you know that was that was the peak of it the, the, the way that that banana was being peeled it was very suggestive but yeah so um, that was sort of you know one thing I can say what I picked up about uh, um, uh, the Australian crowd which is very much similar to the South African crowd or maybe maybe not not South Africa anymore I, I, I feel we've lost our sense of humour. But the sense of humor in, in, in Australians often oh, yeah. amazing. You know, it's sometimes you see bursts of that still in South Africa. Like um, something happens, you get these these stunning memes that come out. You know, just to make light of the situation. Because I mean, really, if you don't laugh, you cry. You know, so. Mm. Um, but um, it, uh, it 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 occurred to me that I see I see a lot of that 
you know, what, what I know growing up, the humor, the, the great sense of fun. I see that in, uh, in, in Australians and I miss that. Eh? I... Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. We, um, you know, you can't, you can't tell like Jamie's my best friend. And, you know, if you, if you, if you're really good friends with someone, you just absolutely rip the crap out of them. You know what I mean? Like you just, you have to have a laugh and, you know, we make fun of each other all the time and then our call a little group of mates and stuff, but that, that's just, that's what love's about. You know what I mean? Like we don't take anything seriously down here. We just, you know, we, we work hard enough and we, you're exactly right. If you don't laugh, you cry seriously. Like, especially the current climate with COVID and everything, you know, we, we, we're a group of mates that get together, you know, be once a fortnight at the absolute, you know, at the absolute worst. And the fact that none of us could see each other for six months aside from over Zoom, it's just, you don't realise how, how tough it can get. And I was working from home at the same time. So I literally was only leaving my house to go grocery shopping and to the doctors. And um, you think, oh, that's the life, you know, working from home and everything. And it's yeah. really... Um, there's no social interaction. There's, I mean, through a computer screen. I mean, it's. I, I'm very grateful for Zoom and stuff like that because we get the chance to have a chat with people like yourself who are, you know, thousands and thousands of miles away. But it's not meant for someone who lives like yeah. less than half an hour away from you. You know what I mean? Um, and especially with you having kids as well, that must have been really hard yeah, on them absolutely. too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I saw that in the in in the eldest. She was five at the time. Now. Um, our lockdowns was was a bit strange, you know. It, it 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 got extended quite a bit. It was like eight nine months eventually at some point. Um, it, it was a very weird setup uh, what we had here because there was a lot of pilfering. You know, the, the government coffers were all being emptied during that time. That is how we do things. You know, that's yeah. how we roll. But um, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. My, I mean, my my, my kids. Um, you know, we're social creatures. Uh, I could see it. I could really see it. She was at a time that she was building. You know, she was building relationships and that, that put a bit of a, a, a kink in it. Um, but I mean, you know, nothing beats a handshake, you know. Um, yep. You can say what they want to, you know, that, that's how we are. We're designed as, as creatures of, of interaction. So we want to we want to take someone's hand and say, hey, how are you, mate? Just, you know, yeah. how are you? Exactly. Um, and uh, we really miss that. Um, I mean, the, the highlight for me, and, 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 and this, is, this is parenting in a nutshell, I, I, I guess, because I was on daddy duty for most of the time uh, while my wife was working. Um, so I, I took the kids back eventually to school, and um, the teacher says to me, wow, your kids, like, really, they, they went quite far, you know, like, what did you do? How did you get them to, to still stay on par with everything, you know? And I said, well, I don't bloody know, you know, like nine o'clock comes and it's like white noise. I don't remember what I did. <laughs> I, I, I sat and I thought about it. I spoke to my wife about it. I, I said, you know what? I, I know what I did. I was literally from the morning till the evening fielding questions. They were asking questions and I was fielding questions. That's it. That is, so if everyone wants to know what parenting is, it is fielding questions. That what the, the time I spent with them and answering their questions, being present and just asking questions was enough. It's all that they needed. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. But it, essentially, they miss their friends. I miss my friends, you know. Um, the, the, odd, the, the odd social gathering was, was missing. You know, wine is only as good as, mm -hmm. as, as the first glass you're drinking it on your own. You know, wine gets better. There's more people involved, yeah. you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree. And, and the fact that 
you know, one of my one of my best friends who's who um who's a writer as well, literally lived five minutes away from me, and I couldn't I couldn't just pop in. You know what I mean? Like it, it was a crazy world we lived in. But hopefully, and I hate to sound like every politician in the world at the moment, but hopefully we're on the way out. <laughs> And, you know, careful, careful with that with that politician's hat. Be careful. Remember what I, <laughs> I, I just look. I just want things to you know. Where I'm in here in Australia, we don't have to wear masks anymore. Um, you know, the the limits on people are sort of it dwindles off now. You know, I still my job still is a bit cautious. We work we work in the office three days a week and work from home two days. Um, so, but yeah, I I, I honestly. You know, hopefully we can get back to the stage where we were, where, you know, you can go around your mate's house every, you know, once a weekend and hang out. And, you know, Australia especially, you know, they they build our tourism around mateship, but that's truly yeah. what it is. You know what I mean? Like, you just, it was, it was. Uh, I think, Jamie, correct me if I'm wrong, but we were, I think we had about a nine-month lockdown as well, didn't we? Oh, it was pretty big. The second, the second one, the second lockdown was hardcore yeah. i think it was at least four months or something yeah and it's not it's just yeah it's crazy time but i suppose it's something that's not what we're not here <laughs> this is not the covid podcast we're not here we're not here to talk about covid we're talking we're, we're here to talk about you james so how uh your movie and tv uh projects i understand you're working on something called crossing borders yeah, well that's a that's a tv series that i i um you know i i got so annoyed with the with some of the characters that you get on TV, uh, there's a couple of good ones, but I mean, for the most of them, they, they, um, it's like as if they are trying very hard to, to push complex characters. Now I give a lot of, um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, writing workshops about, um, developing characters and especially, um, incorporating a theme into your writing because, because I'm, I'm, I, it, it just makes sense. That's what writing is all about. You know, some of the classical, that was yeah. that was hit those those markers very well. So I I I conceived this character or gave birth to this character, whichever way you want to look at it. And it was um, it was a a, a character a, a guy that just does his job. He clocks in and he clocks out. There's no you know like a I won't say like a Jack Reacher because Reacher extends to a bit more of a fictional. Uh, um, a, a, a more um, excessively fictional character, you know, where he does things that, you know, it's beyond mm-hmm. other people's control without any consequences. Yeah. But my character still, you know, follows the rules. Uh, there's consequences to his actions, uh, which, which makes him uh, relatable and, 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 you know, human at least. Um, and um, mm-hmm. yeah, th- th- this guy just called to me. I, I, I ended up taking notes. Uh, I, you know, I spent a lot of time with, with the characters. You know, they they're born inside my mind, which is a concept people can understand. Yep. Um, you, you know, if 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 I'm writing someone that's a 60 year old character, then I have known that person 60 years. Uh, you know, even though I'm not 60 years old, I have known that person for 60 years because I've given birth to that character. And I've known them intimately, more intimately than I know my wife. So, um, you know, that people don't understand that they, it's impossible to grasp that thing about a character. So this character kept introducing himself to me. We spoke. We really we got something going there. And eventually, before long, this character just sort of stepped out on the page. I kept making notes. And then the one day I was in a coffee shop and, I, and, and I've been telling my wife, you know, I share, share all these characters with my wife. She thinks I'm nuts. Um, <laughs> 
and and th this guy came in and I looked at this guy and I said to her, that, that's him, that's the character. <laughs> and she was just like totally sold on it as well. And um, so this guy's got no acting experience, uh, really. Um, and I just went to him and I said to him, listen, you're going to be in this TV series. Like I've, I've got this idea. So um, I continued to write the character. I sort of, we, we were spitballing it a little bit. I, I showed him some of the things. And he said, well, you know, James, you sort of, your excitement is rubbing off on me. You know, I'm interested. I made a director, got everybody on board. Um, we created this whole package. I conceived about uh, three series, uh, three seasons worth of content at about eight episodes each. Nice. And, and I wrote each one like a, novel so it's eight episodes now eight episodes uh, as, as, as far as episodic uh, narrative goes mm. um it, it feels like it's a novel and um yeah I, I said okay well let's take the next step so i got an investor who was willing to part with some money um fantastic guy just said look just go for it and we filmed everything on location yeah um it was um shot over a couple of um days i think about four or five days we filmed a proof of concept video and out of out of that we, we also shot or, or we, we also did a little trailer but we got 15 minutes together and now we're at the point where we're basically pitching it to networks um a lot of retail yeah. but yeah oh wow oh so we, we can hopefully see that on on screen oh, soon I, then i hope so it, it's i hope it will make for fun fun interactive uh, engaging viewing uh, it's all that we're really going for Excellent. Okay. Oh, that's great. we'll definitely keep an eye out and that and that it's obviously that's crossing borders and uh, we'll yeah hopefully hear some good news you'll have to come back on once it launches <laughs> i have faith once it launches you'll have to come back on absolutely all right i might let I might might do something I don't normally do and let Jamie do a bit of talking now. Why um, you're doing so well, Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> um, so apart apart from um, crossing borders, um, what else are you working on at the moment? Well, my my third novel is is something that I'm very passionate about, and it should be out soon. Uh, I don't really have an official release date yet, but um, it's a it's a, like a modern retelling of Job, um, where uh, let's say, okay. you know, let's say in this instance, Job loses everybody around him, all his loved ones, but they were all mm -hmm. uh, quite heavily insured because he's an he's a, a insurance uh, broker. So he did all his family's insurance. So suddenly he gets inundated with wealth, but at the same time, he's lost all his loved ones around him. Oh, wow. And then at the very, when he, oh, when, wow. he's, when he starts investigating it, he realizes that at the core of it, um, every one of, of, of these deaths that has occurred that has upset his life can be pinned to uh, arriving uh, gangs in his area so as his money just continues to grow and continues to grow and continues to grow he is is faced with this uh, revenge aspect you know i mean you you now have the means to take revenge so what do you do um so so that as a premise i thought was fantastic um so i wrote this complex little character called him Gray, and I just pinned him in, in the middle of this um, whirlwind that takes place. Um, so it's like a Count of Monte Cristo meets Job meets oh. crime gang, new noir type of uh, a scenario. So it's quite a quite a blend, but it came out uh, quite nicely. That was actually the, the, the thesis work for my for my master's degree. So, yeah. So oh, wow. when's the movie come out? <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I must tell you, uh, I, I could see it. It'll probably be more like a, it'll be like a subdued fight club almost. Um, yeah, I, I, I can sort of sense that. It, it's got, it's got similar. Um, yeah, I can see that as a movie. I'm sure, I'm sure I can script it. Yeah, don't no, tempt me. It, <laughs> I do very little. It's, it sounds like a, a great concept, a great idea. Um, it, you've already intrigued me. I want it now. <laughs> and Jamie, Jamie doesn't say that lightly. So I'm the one who just, I, 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 I buy everyone's books and I love them all and everything. And Jamie's the one who's like, yeah, just, I'll, I'll wait for the perfect thing. So for him to say that, you know, you've got a winner. Well, well, I, 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 I do think that that uh, I, I get the idea that Jamie, you like uh, quite a um, something that's a little bit more on the on the eccentric side of things, not 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 your normal, usual, typical uh, um, writing. Um, yeah, what's your I, preference? I no, well, I like things that are different. Like I get I get annoyed at when it's the same story being told over and over and over again. Um, like you know, like every Adam, I, I don't hate Adam Sandler, but Adam Sandler has a formula, and it's just always the same thing. And then occasionally he'll come out with something that's left field. And I love that something that's left field. So I always look for something that's different. Yeah, I've, I've got a, I share some of the interest. I, I get, I get really annoyed, um, very much annoyed if it's something that that's, um, that it follows such a, um, a structure that, that you yeah. can sort of, you can, you can smell the structure. Now sometimes it works, if but you can use you can still use the structure and still make yeah. it unique. Like for instance, uh, I'm a I'm a big fan of China um, Mevel. I don't know if you know him. Oh, I can't say I do. Okay, well if 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 you have a chance, go read uh, the City and the City. It, it's something. It's it's a genre called weird fiction, which is is a bit of a master of. So the City and the City, you've got uh, it's like a typical crime story. You know, uh, who done it? They find a girl that's been killed. And, the detective has to start investigating it but what you don't realize is that they are uh, inside um neighboring cities so the, the one city is literally on the other city so they could share the same street and if wow. something happens on the other side of the street you've got to unsee it you're not allowed to see it and in order to get to the other side of, of the city where you can see it you've got to go through a, a, a stringent uh, immigration process so this detective discovers that the girl that was killed, uh, she is a citizen of the other city. And she was somehow taken across borders through immigration. So his investigation becomes very tricky. So uh, uh, that, is, that, is, um, that is a concept of what I would call weird fiction because it, it really challenges the boundaries. It still, follows, it still follows the structure that would work, but it's got something about... So like for instance, in my, in my, my first novel, and, and Jack Anger, you've got a character that's got a, um, a brain injury. So he's got memory loss. He remembers and scenes. Um, and at the same time, he sees things that could be his brain playing with him. You know, um, he's, he's, he's a little bit, a little bit off, if I can say that. You know, he's, he's, he's got some, some consequences of, of the accident, which, which sort of hints at a weird fiction as well at the time i didn't know that is what i was writing it's just i wanted to challenge the norm the, i wanted to challenge conventional narrative i wanted something different i wanted flawed characters i wanted i wanted meat to sink my teeth into i wanted people that i can actually enjoy um so so yeah i i, I do share your your view there jamie uh, I, I i do agree yeah 
no, I just, I just, I just love different. You know, um, it's like when that movie A Quiet Place came out. There was nothing like it, and it had me hooked because it was something that hadn't been done before. Even though you know there may be similar kind of structures, but the idea of you know you're not allowed to make a single noise, I just I couldn't compare it to anything else. Absolutely, absolutely, yeah. That, that that's a, that's a good example of, of of it actually. Yeah. Cool, cool. Um, well, just before we let you go, do you just want to tell us where we can find more about you, um, your social media, your website, anything you want to plug? Um, the floor is yours. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, I must say I, I neglect my socials a bit. Uh, well, I, I, I try not to, but I do. <laughs> um, I normally uh, on, on Instagram and Facebook, I, I'm under James Fusher Writes. Uh, that's my little handle. Um, website is very easy. It's jamesfusher.com. Um, and yeah, I've, I've, uh, I have got book number three and four uh, uh, on the way. So um, yeah, I, I love engaging with readers um, and I'm very approachable. I, I love it when people contact me, chat, uh, um, you, you know, about, about my books, characters. Um, and also in my, my, my workshops, I, I try to, I try to engage with aspiring writers. I'm, I'm very passionate about getting people reading and writing. Um, I, I wrote a, um, a course for a, a university in Singapore not too long ago, a creative writing course. And um, since then, I've, I've always been engaging with, with writers. I realized there's a lot of aspiring writers that just get kicked down. Mm. And I love going around and picking those guys up and just saying, come on, man, mm. you know, you've got a story there. Everybody's got a story, man. Just pin it down and get it out there. Um, best you can, you know, just make it engaging. So, yeah, um, but I love engaging with people. Um, yeah. Cool, cool. Excellent. Well, we'll we'll put a link to all your socials in the video too, in the show notes, and uh, also your website, which is where I found your books. The links you've got links to your books on the website, which takes you through to Amazon, and you can buy them in print and uh, Kindle versions. So we'll definitely put a link up for that, so so we can get some more eyes on the books as well. Awesome. I would appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I, I find myself in a strange space having to. Uh, jumpstart the writing career again, mm -hmm. which is very weird. Um, so yeah, it's 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 fun and games. I, I wonder if this was the same for Shakespeare. I, I I'm I'm still I'm, I'm still with questions about that. <laughs> well, maybe that's what you should have done with your time machine. Um, free ride. <laughs> yeah. You know, for, for a writer to go back and see Shakespeare, that's a bit boring. But but you, you know what? I, I mean, I, I I do understand. I mean, he was at the what he was at the height of his career when he had kids, um, and in seven years he just disappeared. So I do understand, but I mean, we are, we live in a digital age where you know, um, shelf space um, is 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 quite a tricky thing, and it's it's even more tricky to convert people to uh, ebook platform. I mean, in South Africa, we're really struggling with that. Um, I, I'm I'm thankful that I've converted. Um, I'm now devout ebook. So, <laughs> but yeah, um, it it is it is tricky in South Africa to get that done. Um, I don't think Shakespeare had to worry about that. So he just had to, you know, finish up his seven years and get right back and pick up the call and there you go. Exactly. <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on, James Fouché. Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It was really, it was an honor to be here and you guys are awesome. So I really appreciate that. Thank you so much.
No worries. And if you please reach out um, when you're ready to launch the next book. Uh, we're more than happy to have you back on and, and you know, plug away and, and hopefully get more eyes on your book. Right. And uh, thank you for not making me say something controversial. I always do. So thank you for that. No, no. You, if, you, if you listen to any of our old episodes, you know I pretty much don't care what I say. So it, it rains me in a little bit too. <laughs> Um, so yeah. we've done well together, I think. Awesome. <laughs> All right, good stuff. Thank you, watchers and listeners. We'll catch you next time. See you next time. Listeners and watchers, Jamie here. I just wanted to take a second to let you know that I too am an author, and I have two books of my own. One, Letters from the Emu War. Based on a real-life event, it tells the story of the time when the Australian Army declared war on 20,000 flightless birds and lost. This book is written from the perspective of those who won. And two, Bucks Night. First in a trilogy of novellas, it's about a medieval-themed Bucks party that is interrupted by the zombie apocalypse. You can find them both on Amazon by following the links in the show notes.